This is Jamie Finn from Foster the Family, and this is The Real Mom Podcast. Hi, moms. It is episode nine now of The Real Mom Podcast, and today is a good one. Today, I am talking to Bryn Weed. She is a foster adoptive biological mom. She's a special needs mom, and that's what we dive into today. We talk about parenting a child with special needs. We talk about adopting a child with special needs and those check boxes and what happens when the child that you're caring for isn't on the boxes that you thought you checked. It is a great one that I think is going to leave you encouraged and inspired. So here it is, episode nine of the Real Mom Podcast. Today I'm talking to Bryn Weed. Bryn is a foster, adoptive, biological mom. We have a whole list of topics we want to go through today. I'm so excited to be able to talk to her. She has just sort of this natural energy and passion that's contagious. I'm excited for that to... uh, I'm excited for you to get to hear from her. So hi, Bryn. Hi, Jamie. I'm so excited to be able to talk to you. Yeah, me too. So tell us about your family. Let's start there. Okay. So there's my husband, Matt, and I, and then we have a four-year-old daughter named Jameson, who is our biological daughter. And then we actually just finalized our adoption of our 14-month-old son, Cohen, who was adopted from foster care. So we had him since birth from the NICU. Um, And then, yeah, he was in foster care basically for about a year, 13 years. And yeah, we just uh, finalized his adoption. So now congratulations. Still like riding that wave of excitement right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you do like invite everyone to the courthouse or party? Do you do anything like that? Oh, yeah, it was. I think Matt and I, we literally, I mean, this isn't, this is probably more testament to like how broke we were when we got married, but we spent more on Cohen's like adoption party (laughs) than we did our own wedding. (laughs) And we had it at a friend's house because she has a way bigger house than we do. And we were like, we need to fit like over a hundred people in here. So yeah, it was, it was a big old party. We like packed the courtroom. It was so much fun. And yeah, it was really great. It was one of the best days of my life. Celebrating. So absolutely. It's like a year in the making, you know? So it's like, you've all that like pent up energy and enthusiasm of a new mom, but like you can't tell anyone and you can't show his face and you can't give away any details. So it's like, 400 days of like that energy we were just ready to explode and yeah party like crazy and it was so cool too because it was such a like um just such a representation of how God must feel when they talk about like that final day when we're like adopted into his kingdom or like that final wedding day like it was just such a party and I just kept thinking of like how excited we were planning it and just how excited God must be. I mean if we you know in our limited budget and our like sinful nature spent like that much time and energy getting so excited about Cohen joining our family, like how excited God gets at the thought of his creation joining us, him forever. So yeah, it was a really awesome party. And just again, another like step in the foster care process where you just, it really brings you deeper into your faith and realizing like that parallel between um, us in foster care and God, like pursuing us and adopting us into his family. That's awesome. I love that Mm -hmm. God did that in your heart at the party. I feel like I was more focused on paying Elsa and (laughs) making sure no one threw up. And (laughs) I love that lesson. There's definitely that element too. (laughs) 
Okay, so you just adopted him. What does this mean for your family right now? Are you going to reopen your home right away? Well, what does that look like for you? Yeah, so I know it's slightly different in a lot of states, but in California, it's very common to be with a foster agency as opposed to the state agency, um, just because there's a ton of kids in California, a huge state, big system, understaffed, um, not enough social workers. So when you go with a foster agency, there are a few more rules, like you have to take a mandatory break after adoption. So right now we're in like the six month wait period. Um, They basically just want to give you time as a family to regroup and refocus. And then you kind of do a new home study where they take into account your new child and kind of what your family looks like now. Yeah. They have to redo all of that too. Um, So that's why we kind of, Oh man, that's a big, like we're wrestling with that right now. Pretty hardcore because I just, I, I've been reading so many good books lately and they've just been really challenging as far as my motivation behind what I'm doing. Um, and just making sure that I'm not justifying my cushy mom life by being like, Oh look, but I foster care, you know, that's ministry, check that box off. Um, and also being like, well, but do I want to, if we did stop, would it be for selfish reasons? You know, am I just being like, Oh, well, I want it to just be about our family now. And like, we did our part. Like personally my, with my, and I'm, I, you're probably the same way where like, I would happily adopt like 20 million kids and just be right, like, I'll right. take them all. Right. And my husband's like, all right, we got to pace ourselves. Like, let's not stretch ourselves out too thin. He's much more wise in these areas than I am. Um, and so we're kind of trying to figure out like, what's that balance? Our son has special needs. And so we want to make sure that we're able to give him the time and attention he needs right now, especially he has, his diagnosis is spastic quadriplegic cerebral palsy. So, um, he's cognitively all there, but he has a lot of issues with like muscle development and it's due to a bunch of, um, he was born prematurely, uh, had a ton of drugs in his system when he was born, uh, which is not too uncommon for foster kids, but he was just kind of a perfect storm where that turned into cerebral palsy and permanent brain damage. So we're just trying to figure out how do we best serve Cohen because that's where God has called us to be Cohen's parents. But then also, um, how do we continue to keep serving God in this life? You know, do we take on more foster kids now? Do we take a break and then go back into foster care when Cohen's a little bit older? Um, my husband and I are also still kind of young. I hope, please say 20 ish is still young. <laughs> I'm like, I'm 29. I'm holding on to that last year of my twenties. So, um, <laughs> if we wanted, 20. we only have one bio kid. <laughs> no, Jamie, it is. <laughs> I really, I, you're almost thirty. Sorry, that's not twenty. Dang it, <laughs> Jamie, we're not friends anymore. This is it's I over. Mean, no, right. Um, you are still a young parent, but <laughs> yeah. So it would be. Um, we'd kind of like to have another bio kid at some point as well. So, is this a good time for that, or should that be later? It's it's hard though. Once you're in the foster world, I think you just see how many kids there are who need families, and it's. It's impossible to look the other way once your eyes have been opened to that. You know, like you can't, even the kids who aren't with us anymore, who just temporarily fostered, I still remember them and I remember their names. And I just, I think about them even just in passing almost every day. And then you, yeah. you know, you see other kids and you get phone calls and it's really, it, you can't look away and it's yeah. impossible to be selfish, but also like, how do you balance being selfish with being wise? So that's the really long answer to kind of what are we doing right now? Yeah. Honestly, we're just, we're wrestling. I want to get back to um, 
your son and his special needs. But first, let's dive into this a little bit. It's funny because I was spending time with friends yes last night, and I said to them, I realized that I have like zero capacity to create boundaries for myself. I, every person in my life is saying to me like, okay, you know, you have too much. So what are you cutting out? And okay. So, you know, you can't go full force into doing ministry outside of your home and be at full capacity with six kids and all their needs in your home. And I just cannot wrap my, my mind around this, like saying no to really good things. I've, I've had, I'm really grateful. My parents kind of instilled this. You just go hard for God. You burn up your life for God. And now I think my mom looks at me all the time and is like, yeah, but you're not supposed to like kill yourself in the effort. Like you're not (laughs) supposed to literally burn yourself down. And I just, I really struggle with that too. I don't know how to sort of have peace with with any sort of status quo it's and that's the thing about foster care is so often you live in survival mode that it becomes your norm survival becomes your norm and it's hard to go back because you feel like at least for me I think we're probably built similarly I I feel like I'm wasting time I feel like if there's an empty bed in my home, then that means that there's a child that doesn't have that bed. Or if there's time in my day where I could be doing this thing, then it means that good thing isn't being done. And I'm really just wrestling with finding peace in, for me, it's an issue of contentment and it's a, an embracing of seeing God calls us to lots of different things, but it doesn't mean that we're called to all of them at the same time. <laughs> So I can look at like the single life of a 20 something, which we already established. (laughs) You may not be anymore, (laughs) (laughs) but look at this thing and think like, oh, the freedom to be able to, you know, be in the inner city and do all these great things. And then I look at someone who's 70 and has raised their children and has all this wisdom and they're, and I want it all at once. I want at once for my home to be full of capacity, to be drowning in littles, to be parenting big kids well, to be homeschooling and doing ministry and adopting it. Like I want it all at one time. And I feel like God is trying to teach me that those desires are things that he's placed in my heart and that they're good, but that I have to have a better understanding of for everything, there's a season and trusting him for what the season is now and looking in anticipation and faith and all that for what the season may be. But, you know, there's a season for rest. There's a season for adopting a child and having a break with that child in your home where you all are just a family together. Like not everything needs to be done in this one season. Yeah. It's, it is hard. Like everything you're saying, I'm just like, Oh my goodness. Amen. Preach it. Like, yeah, I struggle with those exact things. So maybe it's a really good thing that California like mandates these breaks for me since I apparently can't do it myself. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's a hard balance because you're so, all of your intentions are so good and they're so passionate for God. And yet that reminder that even Jesus took time away to go be with God, you know, rested even God himself rested after creation. And yet at what point, I feel like a lot of these phrases that we use in Christian culture, if once like you read through the Bible, they're not actually in the Bible. Like, so I'm like, well, who says that like, we're actually supposed to like 
you know, it's, it's hard to find verses that are like, oh, put balance on your life. But you can find so many verses about God wants justice. He wants mercy. He wants grace. You know, take care of widows, take care of orphans. Like those are peppered throughout scripture. And there's not as much about like, don't overwork yourself. Fill your own cup first before you float others. Like they're there if you know how to look for them. But I'm a very like literal person. Yeah. Like with Jesus' disciples, when he's like, you know, oh, um, watch out for the Pharisees. They're, you know, they're bad yeast. And they're like, is there something wrong with the bread? Those are my people. Like that's the kind of person I am. Where I'm like, I take things very literal. So I read through the Bible and I'm just like, it says go hard. Let's do it. You know, I'm not as good as like reading into and being like, oh, but look at what actually is going on. Jesus does take time away. You can right. too. I'm like, oh, but he didn't say that. So just completely over my head. So right. still working on that. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's it just, it's just, a hard balance. Part of it is approaching with humility and just like, and that's the thing when I, when I call it like being mission focused, then I, I see myself as like being really noble when I call myself arrogant <laughs> and like, I just want to <laughs> do all the things by myself and I can go full. Then I, I see like, I am taking limitations away from me that God has put on me. And I am like acting like I don't have this limited capacity that God has given me. And so absolutely. We, we learned such an amazing, like, we learned such a couple of very hard lessons, but they were good. But we had this one placement. It was these two kids and I already had Jameson and Cohen. Um, and Cohen was like six months old. And these two kids were three years and then 18 months. And the 18 month old had autism, severe autism. Um, and so I had basically had like a four-year-old, the three-year-old was so traumatized. She couldn't be held by any men or be around men. So I had to carry her the whole time she was here. And then I had the 18 month old who couldn't walk and had autism. So I had to carry him. And then Cohen who has CP and was six months old. So I had to carry him, which I don't even know how that's like, I literally, I didn't leave our house for a couple of days and I just was carrying all three of them and just realizing that like, you know, we had, my husband's native American and with native American, so is Cohen, our son that we adopted. So with native American placements, it's really hard to find other native American families for them to go to. So when we first got the call for these two, they were half African-American, half Native American. And so they're like, we need them to go to a Native American family. And I'm thinking like, oh, I have to, like, this is, yep, it's up to me. They're not going to go anywhere else. And so I took them and it was terrible. Like we all just, everyone crashed. No one was thriving. No one was happy. Like we all survived and I kept them fed, barely. <laughs> we ate pizza three days straight. Um, but it was just, it wasn't good. And I was just so stretched out. I was so burned out. And those were like the longest three days of my life. And then there ended up being another family that could take them. And this family was a couple, um, it was two moms. So there were no male, which for this girl was a great thing because she was so traumatized by male figures. She couldn't be around them and they were retired. So they both just focused on their foster kids they were spending their entire third act of retirement fostering hmm. hard to place kids and adopting them and already had had a son with autism and the one of the moms was native american so it was just like like literally the perfect family for them they had the 15 passenger van like all decked out with all the special needs you know uh, every like all the car seats and everything i mean the perfect family it could be Two in, they had a bunch of extended family very close by. My husband and I, all of our family lives way back, like on the Midwest and stuff. And so it was perfect because they ended up being in this wonderful home that could provide for them. And it was such a good realization that, like, 
I'm not called to save it. Like I'm not the savior Jesus is. And like, I need to be used by him where he wants me not thinking that like every single kid, Oh, I'm their last chance. It's all about me. And that was such a good refocus of just not that we went into it selfishly, but I mean, we're all humans. You can, we can manipulate anything into selfish behavior and, you know, sin just creeps in like crazy easy. And so it was so good to be able to learn that lesson and just to see that like, we're not going to be the perfect fit for every kid. And we're not going to be used by God for every homeless person, every foster child, every refugee who needs a home. That's impossible. And it's more important to just be used by God how you can, and then empower and encourage others because they're called to something else that you're not. Um, and yeah, just being able to realize like, it's not about you. It's All about right, God so and focus on him and not on yourself. Yeah. Let's talk about that for a second with um, what we say yes and no to. So there have been two times in the past month where I have said yes to a child that was far outside. One was um, a child with Down syndrome who had a G-tube and like five other diagnoses. Just two nights ago, we said yes to an 11-year-old, which we... I've always said younger than our children. And, and when I speak to the state in like recruitment and training, one of the things that I always share about is basically what you're saying. You are not doing a child any favors by thinking that you can save them and taking on something that you actually can't handle and all that. But I feel like I kind of talk out of both sides of my mouth. Cause on one hand I say like, <laughs> know your limits and don't go past your limits But then I also know when sometimes you just have faith for something that you didn't think you were going to ever take on. So I know you mentioned your son with special needs, you know, the sort of like initial checklist that we all fill out. Was that on your checklist? Was special needs, was CP on your checklist? Not even close. So my husband actually, he's one of five boys and three of his brothers have special needs and we're their guardians. So they live with his parents, but eventually we know that like, Hey, come retirement. It's not just my husband and I, we're going to have these three boys for life type of thing. Um, for as long as they're on. Yeah. So exactly. So we went in and be like, we can't, we've done our duty. Like (laughs) our hands are so full. We're already going to be taking care of these three, um, wonderful brothers of mine for, you know, the rest of our life. And, what that entails. And so we very much went in with like, God is calling us to foster care. We're so open. Like we want to be used by him, but here's our little box of what we're like allowing God to do. And here's our restrictions. And we even said, no, like they literally at the time, I think now it's all computerized, but at the time they actually had a book of kids that were waiting. Like it was a book three inches thick and just page after page after page. It's these profiles of all these kids. You're just like flipping through this book, looking at all these kids who these are ones where the parental rights have been terminated so available for adoption right so away. So was your son and a waiting child? Just, no, he wasn't. We looked oh, okay. through that book. We said yes to a couple of kids and for various reasons, they didn't work out. I, um, other parents stepped forward who were better fit or, you know, they had already been placed, but just someone hadn't updated the book. So, um, no, but it's just a step they had us do like right when we were first certified, like, Hey, come down, look at this book. Um, and then you'll kind of be put on the list if none of these work out. 
type of thing. Um, so yeah, so we went and looked through the book and we saw kids with the same diagnosis that our son has. And we just kept flipping the page like, no, because we're not up for that. You know, we don't know what we're doing. That's really like cerebral palsy, brain damage. That's really scary stuff. And like, the crazy thing is, is it's so not scary once you know it. So when we got the call for our son, he was in the NICU and he was there for five weeks. So we would just travel back and forth and just visit with him. And they knew that there was a couple, he'd had um, some head ultrasounds and they knew there was some brain bleeding, which now that I know about CP and I know like what words to look at, I'm like, oh my goodness, we should have known right then that he had CP. Like it was all the, the entire checklist is there. But when you don't know it, you're just like, oh, okay, something's a little wrong with his brain. Well, he had some drugs in this system and stuff like that. So, you know, whatever. Um, and yeah, we had him, uh, it was about five months in and he would only stare at the ceiling. He wouldn't make eye contact. He would just scream and like lose, which is very typical meth exposure syndrome and stuff. Mm. So we just thought it was the meth. Um, and then he kind of snapped out of that, but he was still very physically delayed. And so we called in um, Ulta services. They do regional services in California. And so they sent a PT and an OT out to kind of do evaluations on him. And he had a neurosurgeon neurosurgeon appointment um, when he was seven months old to follow up with all of his head ultrasounds and to do an MRI. And he had that appointment set from when he came out of the NICU. But they just were like, hey, let's take a look at it in six months. We'll do an MRI and see what's really going on. And so we went down to the neurologist and she just looked over Colin like same chart he'd had from when she was she's like oh blah 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 this means this blah 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 you know broke it all down in English I was like yeah so he has CP like um are you for real you know I'm just getting as a mom it's like obviously you jump to worst case scenario because that's your son your baby boy right there and so I'm just like oh my goodness he's gonna be in a wheelchair he's not gonna be able to talk like this is what you know just all these visions that you have for your child and everything the best that you want for them and it's all of a sudden completely gone like you don't and that doesn't mean that they don't have a wonderful and obviously Cohen is going to have an amazing life I I believe that he will be able to walk one day and he's making such good progress but in that moment you're not thinking rationally it's just Mm -hmm. you hear a diagnosis and you just kind of your brain goes black And so, yeah, so he got the diagnosis and the crazy part was, you know, a couple more months in around nine, 10 months old, we got the confirmed diagnosis of spastic quadriplegic cerebral palsy. Um, these are, this is what this is going to look like. These are struggles. And we were able to do like more of a, a, we had a five hour evaluation with all these doctors and kind of analyzing where he's at. He's actually above average cognitively, but obviously completely bombed his like, you know, physical evaluation and stuff like that. And um, very developmentally delayed. And so the, when we called his social workers and his, from his County to talk to them about that, they came for a visit and they're like, so we just have to ask you guys, because at this point TPR had gone through and adoption was on the table. We're like, are you still interested in adopting him? And we're like, of course we are. Like that's, that would be like someone asking, you know, like, Oh, there's something wrong with your bio. Like, do you, do you still want them? I mean, it's like, that's your son right there. That's, that's who you've been placed with. You're their parent. Like that's who, you know, how can you say no to that? I mean, it wasn't even a thought. And the crazy part was the social workers were all like, I can't believe you said yes. We've had so many kids. I, and there was one who was actually retiring and she was like, I'm so happy I got to end on this case because Mm. you've kind of restored my faith a little bit in humanity because we've seen so many kids come through in the second they get diagnosed with something or there's a label attached to them. 
they're, they're going to sit in foster care until they're 18. It just, they don't get adopted. They don't. And the crazy part with Cohen is his, even his bios didn't want him. They left him at the hospital. We never had one visit, one phone call. The one of the parents only showed up when they were in jail. And so they might as well go to court anyway. Um, and so there was just a lot of these special needs kids again, get when we've gotten more into that world and you see more of these kids waiting, so many of them are waiting just because they have that diagnosis. And it's so obviously we're total hypocrites too. Like I get it. It's so scary to see that diagnosis and just think of like, oh my goodness, what could that mean? You know, you see G tube and you freak out or CP and you know, wheelchair and like, what does that mean? And yet once you're in it, it's so not, that's just my son. That's just Cohen. It's just how we roll. We do therapy. We have more doctor appointments, but like, that's just his life. And that's just what our life looks like now. And it's really not, not scary once you're involved and in it. It's, it's way more frightening to be on the other side and just see a diagnosis and keep scrolling. I'm interrupting my chat to make sure that you know about the Real Mom Podcast landing page. You can find it at www.fosterthefamilyblog.com slash realmompodcast. There you'll find links to all the resources we talk about, any books or fun things we discuss, recipes. That will be the best place for you to get the full Real Mom Podcast experience. We have um, less medical special needs, but certainly behavioral needs that if I saw it on a checklist or if I saw a video clip of what my life would look like, (laughs) I may not have signed up for it. I mean, I know I wouldn't have. And it's a strange thing because like you're saying, once they're your child, they're your child. But what would you say to someone who is getting involved and the child has that CP diagnosis or whatever it may be on their file? Because I know that that is one thing that built my faith for when we were in a really hard season with one of our kids. And my husband looked at me and said, like, she would, she would bounce from home to home. If she were not in our home with a family that were committed to her, she would be that kid who is in one home. Nope, we can't do it three weeks later. Nope, we can't do it. And so, and that just like, okay, well, yes, there's nothing I want more than to give that child this loving home forever. But again, like if I saw it beforehand, would I have thought that? So what would you say to someone who's looking at that file of this kid who's maybe been deemed unadoptable, hard to place and why they, I guess, could or should say yes. Yeah. Um, I think one of the best things to do is maybe just become more involved with the special needs world in general, become more exposed to it. Um, obviously like having, sometimes I think having my husband, my brothers-in-law, my husband's brothers in my life has made it so much easier and yet also harder because it's a day-to-day reality. So it's not something that like, oh, you hang out with them for a couple hours and walk away from. But on the other hand, like the more that I've hung out with them, it's not, they're just who they are. That's just, that's just, you know, that's Nate, that's John, that's Zach. That's just who they are. And you love them for that. And you don't even really think about the diagnosis or the terms anymore. And so for people, you know, even if there's someone in your church or in your network, whatever, offer to babysit their kid or just sit down and go out for coffee with them, have dinner with them, just become a little bit more involved and learn to see these special needs kids or special needs people in general, just more as um, 
just as people as who they are and the fact that like let's be real we all come with baggage right (laughs) and there's just to have a medical description of it um and yeah so I think that's a really good thing too but also um do research too for these diagnoses when you see a child that's available or you get a call like you with down syndrome um you know, hey, call someone you know who has a Down syndrome child and ask them, like, what does day-to-day life actually look like? Do your own research. If I had researched CP beforehand and realized, I mean, yeah, it still probably would have been scary until you're kind of in it, but I would have realized, like, oh, okay, this is more what life looks like. Like, it's not necessarily the same as other special needs I've seen. It's more with the physical. And, I mean, the crazy part, too, is – um we actually, we bought our house to be able to do foster care because uh, we were, uh, we were renting and, you know, you've like tiny little two bedroom condos and that kind of stuff. And we're like, we really want to do foster care. So we bought a house at like four bedrooms and the crazy part, and this is all just like, oh my gosh, I love how God works is we ended up buying this weirdest, like 114 year old farmhouse. But at one point it was a post office and the guy who owned it before us was a Vietnam vet which means that everything had to be handicap accessible. So all the bathrooms are handicap accessible. There's literally a ramp going up to our front porch because it had to be, it was a government building. And I'm just like, I love how God works right now. Like we literally have a kid with CP and our house is all one story, which in Tahoe is like impossible. They're all like mountain cabins. So it's all like three or four stories high and tall skinny houses with tons of stairs. And yeah, ours is like one story has a ramp, has handicap accessible showers. Like, so again, look to it, like at, look realistically at your house, at the resources you have. Um, and a lot of times I think people realize like, oh, I actually have the, the community to be able to do this. You know, I have help, I have family, I have a house, like you have more time and energy and than you think you can. And it's honestly, um, again, I know this very state by state, California, especially for foster parents listening in California, they do such a great job of providing everything you'll need to take care of a special needs child. I mean, like the stipend we receive is incredibly generous for him. And it's because, you know, like, oh, okay, well his stroller costs like $5,000. Like, you know, there's, he needs a bath chair that costs $800. Like there's a lot of expenses that California, um, they do a great job of like, we pay a lot in taxes, but it goes to good things. Mm. And this is one of the good things they do with it. And uh, yeah, so there's, don't finances hold you up. Um, because a lot of times there are resources and people are so willing to help out and support. And we've had so many people give us date nights. Um, our therapists have all recommended, Hey, I know another family who has a kid with CP in your neighborhood. You know, there's all this community. Um, the social workers went out of their way to help like line up things for us in the future. Hey, when he gets to this stage, um, and he graduates out of this resource program, go to this. The teachers in the, our, um, in the neighborhood schools have been so great about like, this school does really well for special needs. You can go to this, you know, just people are so willing. There's so many resources available, both financially, time-wise, community-wise, just um, tons of camps for families with kids with special needs. There's lots of grants and programs. Um, yeah, there's just, you're not in it alone. It's not you taking on like, your current family will look differently and God will completely provide everything you need to become that new family. I just love so much everything that you just said. I feel like you are going to build people's faith for this. It's so cool to, to hear how God did that for you and to hear just like your joy in it and how people have surrounded you. And so I love that. I appreciate you 
just spending time sort of shining light on this and hopefully God uses it to really encourage others to jump in the way that you have. So I had like 20 other questions that I was going (laughs) to ask you, (laughs) but we just dove so good and hard into those that I'm going to move on and we're going to talk about you. Okay. (laughs) We're going to talk about what you're doing, eating, reading, watching, and listening to. So what are you doing right now? Uh, well, at the moment, I'm really enjoying this phone conversation because my <laughs> kids are sleeping and the other one is at a play date and like the house just feels amazing right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I love my kids, but this is really great. No, yeah. um, more seriously, uh, I think, yeah, it, again, it, we've kind of just started that post-adoption kind of phase right now. So we're kind of just regrouping as a family. We're really enjoying the day-to-day life. Um, there's also, there's this organization just down the road that helps incoming refugees and you basically come alongside as a family with them and help them learn like how to grocery shop, how to get a job, how to have and invite them over for dinner and just like become a community for them. So we're in the middle the paperwork is kind of similar to foster care. It's not nearly as intimidating as the whole foster care paperwork. So we're in the middle of doing that paperwork so that we can, there's a family coming in from, shoot, the Congo, I think. Um, yeah. So we're hopefully going to get certified in time to become like basically their American friends oh, and I love um, that. just be able to come alongside with them. So yeah. My so that's kind friend. of our newest like, thing on the table. My best friend, that's, that's her thing. She just bleeds uh, caring for refugees and we don't have any programs like that here, but we have um, different little charities that do ESL and stuff. So she literally just shows up at ESL befriends people and then says like, can I come to your home and help you? And she's at the point where like, she, the, the woman that she's caring for just had a baby. And like, she was the one that took her to, to have the baby and then set up meals for our church who don't have this connection where our church provided meals for this family for weeks, just every day, someone different making a meal. And um, that's so great though, because you don't need like, Right. You don't need a program to be able to come alongside and befriend someone. Like, I love that. Like, that's amazing. See, I'm more like, maybe I am lazy enough for like, I need a program. Like, I need someone to like, get my butt out the door and like, do this. But that's so cool. That's honestly, that's even better because then it's authentic. Like, they know that she's just doing it because she loves them. Rather than like, oh, okay, this chick, I mean, hopefully she's doing it because she loves them, but it's also a piece of paper and this organization set it up and it's more formal. I love that more organic approach to it. That's amazing. Like good. Yeah. Okay. New life goals, man. I need that. Yeah. She shows up with like Google translate in her home. She cannot speak. Like she is (laughs) literally going and loving on them and meeting every need. And just, it's, it's really incredible, but that is awesome that you have that program near you. And I love, that that's what you're <laughs> I love how you're like, you know, there's, we ha- are in a break time. We don't know what to do to serve, but here you are like signing up for this program to care for refugees. I, I would love to hear from people who use their break time. Well, my, my best friends were over last night and they were saying like, you need to instate some sort of policy in your home for what happens when a child leaves. And they were saying like, you, 
you have to do it for your husband. You have to, he needs to know that like, I'm not going to get roped right in that night, which to be honest, I usually do. Or even like <laughs> the week before, like, oh, this child's leaving. So we can have, we can double up for a little bit. But uh, one of them was saying yes, that- You and I are so similar. <laughs> <laughs> that a good friend of hers, they they do like a weekend away, like a the husband and wife do a weekend away every time a child would leave so that they could reconnect marriage wise. And I was like, Oh, well that I could get behind. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's a, can I, can I steal that idea too? Yeah. That sounds amazing. I really think like, you I'll should. be on board for that. You're in this place of like, okay, what does God have for, have for us? Well, one thing he has for you is just go away with your husband and just enjoy. <laughs> Pablo San Lucas. That's what he has for us. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Cool. All right. So what are you eating? Okay. This is going to sound totally Californian and I apologize in advance, <laughs> but <laughs> my friends and I, we do this thing where, um, they're the youth pastor and his wife and they literally live right next door to us. And so what between, and then we have like two other friends who are both like rooming with us as well. And so between all of us, we have like one person that's on the paleo diet, one person's on keto. One person's whole 30 and then I'm gluten-free, vegetarian, low sugar. <laughs> and so every Thursday we get together and we do healthy years day dinners where we cook, we take turns like cooking something that meets everyone's requirements. Oh my gosh. So we did like, it was so much fun. Like last week we did like a personal pizza night where we found like a keto paleo whole 30 sugar-free vegan pizza crust and then oh, they had like all the toppings so people could like put on whatever they eat so yeah like not to be that person but, but that's what we're that eating person. is our healthy Thursdays. oh I know it's terrible I was like how did I become this person but yeah so healthy years days that's what we do around here that's great yeah I used to be that person hard and strong I used to be a rawest you don't get any more that person <laughs> than a rawest I would drink 64 ounces of like that morning hand-pressed vegetable juice and completely vegan, like brown rice was me walking on the wild side. (laughs) That was (laughs) my life for a couple of years. And now it's like, I couldn't have fallen harder (laughs) from the (laughs) life I used to live. Now, well, if you're I'm, extreme one direction, you're going to be like extreme the other direction, you know, just like, boom, go for it. That's, you know, go my husband says home. that to me like every day. You have zero balance in your life. You are so incapable <laughs> of balance. I'm like, yep, that is, God made me that way and you love me. So stop. <laughs> right. You, mar- you married it. You know, you yeah. like it. I make your yep. life fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what are you reading? Oh man, I have got some. Okay. So are you a reader? Pulled them out. Like, I love reading. I oh, like my. inhale books oh, so much. Same way. So yeah, one of the good ones that I just got done reading is called The Jesus of Suburbia. Oh, and it's, by, it's really good. It's kind of like Radical by David okay. Platt, but like Ooh, a little book. bit easier to read. Yeah, right. Which, oh my gosh, that's a good book. Ruined my life in the best way possible, but ruined it. Okay, <laughs> you need to add Jesus of Suburbia cool. to your book. Who's it by? So it's by Mike, I'm going to butcher the same, Er or Air. It's E-R-R. Okay. It's fine. I'll link to it. Yeah. Right. Whatever. However that's pronounced. Um, but yeah, like it's almost like a more readable version of Radical where it's like a little bit more like Radical by David like Platt is just narrative? so like intense. Okay. Yeah. And that, like Jesus Suburbia is just a little bit, almost more like toward 
a, like a fiction, just like an easier read type of thing. Yeah. And yet very, very convicting. It's really been an awesome book. Um, just mercy by Brian Stevenson, um, mm-hmm. is really, really good. It's almost like a real life version of to kill a mockingbird type of thing, but it's about this guy. Um, he, Brian Stevenson is an attorney and he actually started the equal justice initiative. And so it basically goes through the courts and like finds people who are wrongly convicted and helps Uh, them like get a new trial. And it's amazing. Just there's so many characters in his walk. And like, I mean, obviously this is all real life. This is his life. So it's a nonfiction like memoir kind of thing of his work. Basically. Yeah, exactly. And so many people he runs into in the court system are, you know, foster, were in foster care. Mm. The prison guards were in foster care and just, the brokenness that he sees every day. And it just, it gives you such a good, again, like a why of just, why are we doing this? Why, why are we into this? What can we do more? Like, and, and it's an amazing read and he's just like an amazing guy. So that's a really I good really book. really want to read that. That sounds awesome. It, it's so good. Um, and then my friend just bought me this book. It's called Edge of Wild, Encouragement for Foster Parents. And it's by Crystal Bowen. Um, and I think a friend of hers actually published it, but it's really cool. It's Crystal. kind of like a devotion. I mean, I know her. Oh, through, you know her? Well, I don't know her personally. I know her through, okay. you know, this world, this online. Yeah, exactly. Right. I feel like we all kind of know each other. Kind of. Um, yeah. But my friend Stacy, like is friends with Crystal. And so she cool. bought me the book and it was a really great read, especially there was one chapter just talking about like being in the middle of chaos. And yeah. I feel like that's so representative of everyone in foster parenting and just kind of like, you aren't at the end of our life yet. You know, we don't have that retrospective. Um, so yeah, so just talking about the middle beginning and, um, and just that, you know, we're in the middle of this chaos and where is God kind of bringing us, you know, we don't, we can't see that timeline. We can't see kind of the end or like, Oh, this is what God was doing while he's in it. And so she, it just, it, it had some really good words and perspective about like, it's okay to be in the middle and kind of, here's what that looks like. And we need to be sharing our stories and encouraging each other from the middle so that it doesn't seem like everyone else, like, oh, they all have their life figured out. Like, no, there's lots of us oh, in good. the middle, in this foster parenting world, trying to figure it out. And we don't know what's going on, but we yep. know that we serve a God who does. That's, that's okay. Great. And that's enough. That's yeah. Awesome. That was a really good one and I think my last recommendation, the one that I'm just finishing right now is You and Me Forever by Francis yeah. and Lisa Chan. Good one. Oh, love it. That's one of my favorite so marriage books because it, it pairs marriage and mission together in such a beautiful yeah. way. Which was so convicting for me. Like that book was almost uncomfortable for me to read yeah, yeah, because, yeah. yeah, right? Like you're, it, and it was meaty too. Like normally, I mean, I'll like, I'll inhale books and I'll finish one in like a day because I'm just like, oh my goodness, I love reading. But that one took me a while just because I'd have to read and then like, I'd have to put it down and think mm. and like process what I just read. And so, yeah, that one was, those have been some good reads that I've been enjoying lately. Yeah. When that book came out, it might still be the case, but like a hundred percent of the profits were going to his cause, which I, I'm 99% sure is rescuing girls out of trafficking. So I bought like 20 copies. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I'm giving this to everyone because I'm funding this mission. And this is going to put everyone in my life on fire for living right? marriage and mission together. It's so good. So, right, good. so what about, what are you watching? 
I mean, parenthood, let's be real. (laughs) I love parenthood. Like I have, I don't think I've ever stopped technically rewatching that since it like stopped airing. (laughs) So we we don't have TV. We just do Netflix. So luckily parenthood's on Netflix. I'm set. Um, I also, I like Parks and Rec. So I watch, I watch Parks and Rec quite a bit, but like, I mean, more realistically, I watch, you know, Tangled and Frozen and (laughs) Moana because I have a four-year-old daughter. Yeah, that's kind of what's on our TV more often. But on the rare chance where, hey, I have a free half hour. Um, Yeah, it's usually Parenthood or Parks and Rec. That's on the TV. Yeah, there's something, I think, because we're always so tired. Like, we love to watch really good shows, meaty shows. And so sometimes... And my husband would be like, so do you want to watch this show? It's about like a serial killer. Or do you want to watch this show? It's about like, and I'm like, honey, my life is so heavy, like all heavy and exhausting. And so sometimes I just want to watch Parenthood on repeat forever. My show is Friday Night Lights, but I just want to like have that thing where it's just like, you know what? I know that what's going to happen here and nothing's going to take me by surprise. And I can just sort of like fall asleep to it. And (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Like when we were at times in like when we, we had a 14 year old with us for a couple weeks at one point as a foster placement. And yeah, I only wanted to watch just super light. I could not handle any sort, you know, when you're in the thick of like that trauma and that emotional, just, oh yeah, your life is exactly, your life is so heavy. It's like, no, I don't have time for anything new. I just want something that I'm turning my brain off. Right. It's just like half an hour, something fun and nice. And then I right. turn it off and it's just like a break. Like, no, I don't have time to be emotionally invested in like <laughs> this emotional roller coaster because my life is an emotional yeah, roller coaster. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, those are good ones. I like both of those. Okay. What are you listening to? Uh, Run Collective, it obviously like mm-hmm. one of my favorite bands. Yeah, hardcore. so good. So I love, so good. Yeah, I just I love just having that music like on repeat all the time, just kind of in the background because it's just like you're just worshiping while you're doing yeah. stuff around the house and just, those songs and like those lyrics they just get in your soul and in your mentality, and it just it just helps you have like a more joyful day just yeah. listening to that. So I like that. I, used I do to like every to- day listening to their song, um, come on my soul. <laughs> and I would like literally oh, so- be putting on my makeup and be like pepping myself up for the day. Like, come on my soul. <laughs> like I need this <laughs> chant in my head. <laughs> but yeah, they're awesome. So right. Like the joy one. Oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'll just listen to that one. Just be like, you're this, you're this. Yep. You are my joy, joy, joy. I'm like getting it in my heart, you know, like exactly like prepping yourself for the day. Yeah. I like Ben Rector a lot. He's got some good music. Okay. Um, so I like listening to him. And then if I'm in the car, my kids still don't know that they can listen to kid music in the car. So I get to just <laughs> like, my own. <laughs> that is of, mom they way. haven't discovered right like it's they're like oh you don't want to play frozen film I'm like no no this is my little sanctuary like those 15 minute drives that's where I get to turn on my music then what's mom time like they can play with their toys and my favorite music so yeah I like cranking the music in my car that's like one of those you know I don't believe in lying to your children but I do believe in sometimes just not telling the entire picture like I had a friend who (laughs) called the ice cream truck was called the music truck <laughs> it's like oh the music truck is coming by and the kids thought it was fun and they'd run out and and hear the music truck just listen for the music that's yeah. perfect that's a good idea it's not a lie it's just like uh we're just gonna celebrate part of the reality here 
Okay. All right. So tell us where um, listeners can find you. Okay. So I I actually used to be a writer, but I kind of gave that up to be able to do more focus more on mom life and foster parenting and that kind of stuff. And I just got really sick of writing about things that weren't about Jesus because I'm like, man, Jesus just, he's my jam. And if I'm not spending time on him, it's just didn't have a lot of meaning and purpose. So I currently blog, but it's mostly just about our family and um, it's at broken, but broken, but running.com. So they can find me there. Cool. Great. I'll link to that. Bryn, this has been a really great conversation. I, I've loved talking to you and I've loved, it's funny because some of the things that you were talking about were literally like crying with my best friends last night. So we're certainly going through some of the same heart things, but then, you know, I don't have experience with special needs. And so to be able to have that voice on here, I think is going to be really beneficial to people who are in it and also people who are considering jumping into parenting kids with special needs. And so I really appreciate just your wisdom and your love for God and, and the time that you spent talking to me today. So thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Real Mom Podcast. You can follow us online, www.fosterthefamilyblog.com slash Podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can follow us on Facebook, www.facebook.com slash realmompodcast or on Instagram at at realmompodcast. Thanks for listening.